Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. to the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeRocco's Jake Arians and Jamie Eisner, and, uh, or should I say AB after midnight, who is on the show right now. Uh, that is that is his name that he is going by in Zencaster. Jamie has, Jamie is, when he is remote, I get all of the funny names, and he is going to go with AB after midnight today. So um, we are going to quickly look at what was the Thursday night football game kind of played out exactly how we expected it to, or I, at least I expected it to with a Ravens taking care of business. And uh, the one thing I wanted to get into with you guys is the fact that now we've reached this point with Lamar Jackson where he passes Mike Vick's record, which is insane and should be congratulated. Obviously they win, they lock up the AFC North last night. Um, but he plays most of the game, uh, sits late on, and I think we've reached that point. And it was said in the broadcast, it was posted on social media that the question is, is Lamar Jackson just must-watch TV, where it doesn't matter if they're blowing out a team, um, the Rams game, you know, this game, there's been a couple other ones. People just want to watch because they want to watch Lamar, and I'll let you take it first, Jake, because I think he's, at least for me personally, he is must-watch TV. I think he absolutely is. I mean, I think last night was risky and borderline stupid that he played as long as he did. Uh, but, I mean, hell, the guy is unbelievable. At one point, and, yeah, he passed Michael Vick. That was going to happen regardless. He's going to blow that record to the point where I don't know that he'll ever touch it again. He's at 1,100-plus right now. He was at one point. He had 14 completions, and four of them were touchdowns. Yeah. That's insane. They only throw for 200 yards a game, but he's, he's leading the NFL in passing touchdowns because you have to load the box to try to stop him. People are trying to, to do what I've been saying for four or five weeks, but nobody can do it. I mean, Hollywood Brown's not anywhere near healthy. He's their best receiver by far. They got two tight ends that are good pass catchers. But it's like nobody's even that legit. It's him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely – and he was must-watch TV in the rain. His personality is perfect. He doesn't like talking about himself. He wants to put it on everybody else. Mark Ingram was talking about he should be the MVP. He goes, man, we got games left. We're not done. I loved his answers after post-game. He was just it, – it's all. But the sunglasses was like the most subtle thing ever that blew up. He probably didn't even mean for it to, but it was just cool. <laughs> yeah. He's just a good kid. I love. I mean, yeah, I think he's must-watch TV. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, Jamie, so much- he's – He's he's all about the we, right? Like he kept saying it in their post game press conference. Mark Ingram's going, "You just did, you just did," and he's sitting kind of off to the side, going, "We, we." Like he's all about his team, and he's he's doing it. He he does have his moments of, as people have picked up on, where he says that pretty good for a running back, right? He's got this little chip on his shoulder that he keeps going after it. Like he's it's he's not letting it go, and I think that's created this must watch TV scenario, Jamie. I mean, absolutely it has. And look, he he's a good he's a good role model. Let's just not talk about good quarterback. Yeah. He's a good role model for the success he's having, as humble as he's been, the way he handles himself post game. And look, he's he's dealt with adversity. This whole offseason was adversity. Mm-hmm. He got his doors blown off in that playoff game. And everyone went, Oh, okay, yeah, this gimmick's over. Lamar Jackson's probably not going to be starting for many years and We'll see if Harbaugh makes it through the season. And you know, we, he has dealt with adversity and has overcome that and become a better player, which if that's not a role model to you, then I don't know what you're looking for in a role model. 
Love the way he handles himself. He's a joy to watch play. He's he's having fun out there, and it's infectious. It, it rubs off on his teammates. It rubs off on Ravens fans, and it rubs off of people that don't have maybe a rooting interest in a game that he's playing in. They just want to watch him play football. So he's absolutely a, a joy to watch right now, and he's deserving of everything he got and finishing with five touchdowns on 15 completions. Uh, and there's a really – barring something completely unforeseen – at the age of 22, he's going to have a Heisman and an NFL MVP under his belt already. That's remarkable. And be the fourth tie, fourth guy ever to win the NFL's MVP and be younger than the Heisman Trophy winner if Joe Burrow wins it. Isn't that insane to think that about? That is nuts. Yeah. He can he can not only win, he can win NFL MVP. They Two of the other three, by the way, were Jim Brown twice. So it's been a while. I mean, like, be younger than the Heisman Trophy winner near the NFL MVP. Yeah, NFL MVP has an opportunity and, and sure is looking like he could have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, could win a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, I know that th- that is – you talk about goals and what you could do in a short amount of time. I mean, it's when you, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty impressive run for, for him. And, and man, oh, man, like the NFL is in a really good spot. This is a – he's a great – like Jamie said, I think it's it shouldn't go unnoticed. Like he's a very good role model, right? He's somebody that kids should be looking up to that – overcame adversity, did things differently, right? Like had his mom super involved, got criticized, uses the uses the chip on his shoulder as motivation, as we've talked about, as Tom Brady has done for almost 20 years, right? Like Tom Brady still uses, I got drafted. These are all the people that got drafted ahead of me. You know, he, he doesn't matter if Lamar Jackson can continue to manufacture after he wins and has success, if he can continue to to manufacture that, I'm pretty good for a running back. If he can keep that mentality, man, the future is is super bright, and he's he's a joy to watch. I'm I I didn't care about that football game. It wasn't a good football game, but it was fun to watch Lamar. And before uh, we jump off of the page, I mean, the one other thing I like about him compared to a lot of these young guys is I love his body language. Yeah. Jamie's the nail on the head. He's having fun. But the only time you ever throw and see him throw his hands up or get frustrated is with himself because somebody tackled him. He took he took one for eight or twelve and it didn't go for forty or fifty. And he's mad at himself. But you never ever see him point at a guy, throw his hands up when they drop it. If he airmails a pass, he's mad at himself. It's the only time you see his body language bad. He's having fun compared to Kyler Murray's body language bothers the hell out of me. And Dwayne Haskins is god awful. Like they're they're the same age. They're all the same guy. Baker Mayfield's body language a lot drives me nuts. They all need to take a page out of his book. He's getting it right and doing it right. And he's the same age or younger than all those guys. I love that part about him, too. It's a really good point. It's a really fair point, especially specifically, I think, about Dwayne Haskins and, and Kyler Murray, who have who have left a lot to be desired, right? From a winning standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from different things that we've heard. Like, y'all need to sit back and watch this guy. And Baker, too, right? Baker, yeah. needs, to, Baker needs to be humbled and has been humbled by losing this season. And Baker, you're in the same division as Lamar Jackson, right? Like this is a good opportunity for you to look across and, and say, this is this is what I need to be doing to change my attitude and, and come into next year because I have a feeling that in the offseason we're going to see a lot more Lamar Jackson than we are going to see Baker Mayfield in the commercials coming into next season. Yeah, I think um, it's very telling that Harbaugh is saying it's the most fun he's ever had coaching as well. That's, yeah, ripping off wins is, but he's had a pretty damn good run there. But he's just having fun with the kid, the guys he's got that are playing, and they got a good young nucleus. I mean, they got some veterans on that team, but their their young nucleus on offense and defense looks very promising. 
Yeah, they're balling, and and John Harbaugh is smiling a lot on the sideline, which is awesome. You should have fun. It's football, man. Like it's it's a game. You should enjoy yourself, and it's infectious. Like Jamie talked about, it's it's been really, really, really fun to watch. All right, guys, let's get into all of the Week 15 action here. We will start with the Philadelphia Eagles going on the road to play the Washington Redskins. They are five and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, they got to win. They got to win out. They, they, they're they a team that we're watching closely. Obviously, they got that victory. Needed overtime to beat the New York Giants. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first. What do you see happening? You got Philadelphia covering the spread on the road. Yeah, I got the Eagles 27-16. Uh, the Skins have been playing hard. They've been playing tough. They're not going away. But the Eagles are desperate. I think they're going to get creative. I think you see Zach Ertz probably playing some receiver and Goddard playing tight end instead of having some of these two tight end sets. Uh, they might have to with Lane Johnson, uh, but I think they're going to have to get creative. They're, they're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see how they do all that, but I'm expecting Wentz to play well. Uh, he proved a lot to me last week against the Giants, coming all the way back and winning that game. I just don't think the Skins have enough. And I agree. I just I think this is going to be one of my locks of the week here, the Eagles minus five and a half. And I know they're banged up. I don't think Aguilar is going to play in this game. Jeffrey's out for the season. Uh, I'm just treating it as if Jordan Howard's at least out for the end of the regular season until he's actually cleared for contact again. Uh, so I understand they're down a lot of guys. And they're basically going to walk in this game with two tight ends, two wide receivers, and a wide receiver tight end hybrid that nobody's ever heard of. So I, I, I get that they're lacking weapons. But the one thing that they do extremely well and consistently all season is stop the run. And that is the only thing the Redskins can do right now is run the rock. So taking away Washington's only strength, I have I have no faith at all in Dwayne Haskins to put up enough points to have them could be anywhere within two scores of this game. The Eagles have all the motivation in the world. I know they haven't blown out anybody, even teams they should have been blowing out, like Miami, for example. Uh, <laughs> but I think this is the game where they can they win by double digits. And you know, if you're in a really Really deep league, guys like you know Greg Ward and Boston Scott are interesting. I would probably rather have Greg Ward if I had to pick an Eagles wide receiver in this matchup. Got nine targets in that game. Uh, but it, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I imagine big games for Ertz and Goddard are coming because they're just running out of options there. Yeah, they're running out of options, and they're going to have to put a string. They have to win football games, right? They got it done against against the Giants, even with the Eli Swan song that we experienced. And this is a, a game in the division they have to have, and they should take care of business. So Jamie's one of Jamie's locks of the week. Next game we're going to talk about is the Chicago Bears going on the road, another team that's fighting to – they're in the hunt, want to make a postseason run, got to win out. The Chicago Bears going on the road to play the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are four-point favorites at home. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Do you see any opportunities for Trubisky to go into Green Bay and steal a victory? I'm not going to predict it. I don't think it's unreasonable, but I, I don't think it's going to happen here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers actually played really well against Chicago the last few years and on better defenses than what Chicago is going to be running out there, especially now with Akeem Hicks out, uh, Roquan Smith out. So they're running out a, a, a damaged unit at this point. Uh, I think the Packers are going to have enough to get it done. I don't think this is a blowout by any means. I think this is going to be a grinded out game. I think this is going to be a game that's in doubt in the fourth quarter, uh, but I expect Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones in the passing game in particular uh, to get enough done in this game for them to sneak out maybe a, a six or seven point victory in the end. But uh, you, again, you're not feeling great. I mean, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones are all you know starters for you. Aaron Rodgers is likely a starter for you, but there are some other quarterbacks out there this week that are available in like half the leagues that I would probably take. I like 
Uh, for example, Ryan Tannehill will continue to be that argument. I think Jimmy G's got a better matchup this week. So there might have some better options than Aaron Rodgers, but odds are you're probably starting him. But that's really about it on the Packers side. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I got the Pack 24-20. I learned my lesson bet- betting against Aaron Rodgers at home um, earlier this year when I, I picked him to lose to, to Carolina. Um, exactly what Jamie said. I think the Bears will run it pretty solid. I think they're going to be in it. I think it's a really close game. Uh, but they're banged up. Trubisky's been really sneakily good the last three or four weeks. As much crap as he took, you got to give that that kid a lot of credit for overcoming all that adversity because he's played really well the last three or four weeks. I think he probably has a solid game again. I think they have a good game plan. I think it's close, but I'm going with Aaron Rodgers' own. One thing I want to do before we – sorry, Paige. Sorry to cut you off there. One thing I want to talk about before we get off this game is that this is not the game I would play Anthony Miller. I know we talked about him a lot over the previous few weeks. Uh, but the Packers have been really good against slot receivers all year, and I think that's way too risky of a play here uh, if you've been playing him. You're starting Allen Robinson, you're starting David Montgomery as you normally would, but those are the only Bears I'd feel comfortable playing this week. Yeah, that was a good thing to bring up, Jamie, because I know we've, I, including myself, I've played Anthony Miller and, and been really excited about starting him and have had good success over the last couple of weeks, but this is not going to be the matchup. It's going to be a balmy 19 for a high in Green Bay Ooh. for that game. So enjoy Yikes. that one. It's uh, it's gonna be real cold, but it's sunshine and nineteen. So typical NFC North football between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers should be should be a good one. All right, the New England Patriots who had to you know cheat to make sure that they could handle this ten and a half point spread against the Cincinnati Bengals are going on the road to play Zach Taylor and his football team. Jake, unless you handle this one first, New England obviously coming off all this scandal shenanigans again. Coming off, they, they got to win football games to stay at the top of, of, of where they want to be and, and host home playoff games, and this is a, a bad Cincinnati Bengals team. Do you have them covering a double-digit spread? I didn't until his conspiracy theory just hit me. <laughs> if you like conspiracy theories, do you think there's a chance that the Patriots leaked their own crap to take the attention off of how bad they've sucked the last four weeks? Would not put it past them. Like, it just hit me. There's a 10.5-point spread. Nobody's talking about how bad they look that they've lost to three quarterbacks under 26 years old in the first time ever for Belichick, and they've been awful. And all you've talked about is the history of them cheating and taking the attention away from how bad they've looked. I had them 27-20 not covering 10.5, but it almost sets up to be a blowout just because of what you did, that, that conspiracy that just hit me. I'm going to stick with what I wrote down and say they don't cover that, but I don't like it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the case, that they actually did this to themselves to take the attention away from how bad the football team's been. Yeah, I just have a weird feeling about this game that like the Patriots are going to win this one by like twenty. Like I, I, that's, I, that's kind of what I'm thinking. That the more that I sit here and talk about, it. yeah, it, it just it just the Bengals are, don't have anybody on defense right now. Like they're just they're real. And again, look, not the Patriots aren't haven't been good on offense, but they should be good enough to put up points on Cincinnati in this game. Their defense is playing well enough to stop the weapons that Cincinnati has in Andy Dalton. They're not exactly going up against Patrick Mahomes in this game either. So I think the Patriots should have enough to get this done. Uh, and, and maybe this starts to be like maybe they, they're going to use this as like fake fuel again of, oh, everyone says we're cheating. Yep. Everyone says we can't do this. Like, no, you're actually cheating, which is why everybody is saying these things. Like it's, you know, I, I think they're doing a lot to take attention off of themselves, but also a lot to kind of give themselves reason to do this us against the world mentality that they're so good at manufacturing 
every single year. And even for them, this is a weak attempt at that. Uh, but I, I just have a feeling the Patriots roll in this game. They just have everything about this screams to me that Patriots are going to have a big game. And we're going to be talking about, did we give up on the Patriots too soon? Like, I can already see this happening. So, uh, on, by the way, and that'll be three days after I saw Colin Coward had Tom Brady in a Cowboys jersey on his show today. So, that's a, oh, that's a fun thing. Yeah. Uh, we're we're listen, at that point I'm, in the season now with the Patriots. We, 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 yeah. All right, you talked me into it. I'm going 31-20, they cover. <laughs> so we got I'm covering by half a point. We got a live switch on the podcast. They're both going uh, Patriots against that 10.5 point spread. Don't bet it. But no, we God, no. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not saying that. I, Jamie, I, I'm in agreement with you, too. I think this between Jake's conspiracy theory and hearing this stuff, I just, it smells like a New England Patriots where they come out and all of a sudden the offense figures it out, right? And I know that that doesn't make sense because we've seen 14 weeks of their offense not really figuring it out, but this just smells like a Patriots thing to happen. And then all of a sudden we're all, I can already see the storylines, just like Jamie said, like, oh, we, we counted out Tom Brady again. And it's like, no, logical people did not, because we know that this is what happens. And until they're actually, until Tom Brady is actually retired or no longer a Patriot, like I refuse to count them out. I just can't. And look, if if Brady was that worried about this week, if he was that worried about the way they were playing, he's not tweeting about racing Lamar Jackson on roller skates or whatever uh, during Thursday Night (laughs) Football. So I'd imagine that there's not as much tension inside of that locker room, at least from the leaders there, uh, that there seems to be from the outside looking in. Yeah, I thought that that was funny, and I would still take Lamar Jackson even in roller skates. Sorry, Tom. Uh, Not taking you in any 40-yard dash against Lamar Jackson could crawl and probably beat you. So, um, all right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to play the Detroit Lions. The Bucs on a little bit of a hot streak. It's been fun to watch them over the last couple of weeks. Uh, As we discussed last week, uh, you know, out of playoff contention, but much like what we saw from Bruce's first couple of years, first year in Arizona, the team figures it out. They start clicking and get things going. They're going on the road to play Detroit. They are a four-point favorite on the road. Jamie, I'll let you take this one. What do you see happening here? And does Tampa cover that four-point spread and keep it rolling? Well, I appreciate you coming to me first because I'm clearly the one person on the show that has the most authority to talk about the Buccaneers. So I think our <laughs> listeners know that. Um, this is actually my other lock of the week, the Bucks to cover this. Uh, I, look, I Obviously, I'm a little worried about Jameis' hand injury and whether this something crops up during the game or he maybe can't finish it. But the Buccaneers are a significantly better football team by a lot than what the Detroit Lions are throwing out there right now. Their offense is not going to miss a beat. I believe the combination of Brashawn Perriman, Justin Watson, O.J. Howard, Scotty Miller, all of these guys will be enough to make up for the loss of Mike Evans. You still have Chris Godwin. I think they're going to actually be able to run the ball effectively in this game. As Jake talked about on Monday's show, they've wanted to run the ball, but Bruce Arias kept saying, we kept getting down in games. We're spotting teams 14. We're the most charitable team in the league, I think was the phrase that you used, Jake. The uh, nice, the nicest. I'm tired of coaching the nicest team in the league is what he yeah. said. Yeah, and I don't expect them to be down in this game, I imagine. I actually think uh, in deeper leagues, that guys, both Pey- Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones are sneaky plays here. The Lions haven't stopped the running back in a while. I think we're going to get a balanced offensive attack from Tampa Bay that David Blau and company just can't match. They don't. Bo Scarborough is not going to do much in this game. You don't have Marvin Jones. Like 
I just I don't see how the Lions can keep up with it. I mean, unless Jameis leaves this game in the first quarter, this shouldn't be this close to the game like the spread is indicating. I'm going to take the Bucks minus four uh, as my lock of the week. And I, I like I like Perriman this week. I've brought him up on the show before. Uh, I do think that, you know, while Watson's going to get some uh, some work, it looks like Scotty Miller is going to be back. So I don't really know what that, that other de facto number three option is going to be. I guess I would say number four option behind the tight end, O.J. Howard. So I would stay away from that situation, but I would play Perriman and O.J. Howard this week. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning how well this defense has played the last four or five weeks. These young guys are coming on. Devin White has turned into a star, and the reason why you take him at the fifth overall pick, the, the defensive line, Vita Vea, Sue, JPP, Barrett, I mean, they're all getting after it. Uh, the only thing that scares me here is Detroit is desperate, and you're starting to hear rumblings of head coaching things. And Anytime you're playing teams like that, it goes one of two ways. They quit on them, or they come out and they play crazy. You're playing a third-string quarterback with nothing to lose and still has some weapons. So you're going to stop the run. You're going to put on a third stringer to drop back. It sets up for interceptions, sack fumbles, those kind of things. But it scares me a little bit with as desperate as they are. Yeah, desperate as they are, but uh, I don't envision this team rallied around Matt Patricia. It's been something that has been talked about since he started there. When they when they hired Patricia, it was it was split the locker room to begin with. There's so many injuries there. I just I can't imagine that Tampa, as good as they've been playing, are going to go out there and and take a loss. So uh, another lock of the week, as Jamie said. The next game we're going to talk about. A good divisional matchup between the Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. Houston is on the road for this one against Tennessee. Tennessee is the standard three-point favorite at home in this one. Jake, I'll let you go first. Does Tennessee keep it rolling, and are we riding along with Ryan Tannehill as he continues to play really well? I'm riding out with Tannehill, and I'm playing him this week in one of my matchups. I got him 28-24. I think it's a close game, but I think Tennessee does what they do better than the Texans do, if that, if that makes sense. I mean, they – They've run it so well. Derrick Henry's not getting enough press and enough enough coverage for as well as he's run it. Tenny Hill has been spectacular. Uh, we talked about A.J. Brown the other day on the show. Corey Davis is, is drawing a lot of attention, so you're getting some tight ends open. A.J. Brown's getting more single coverage. I just think they do what they do really well. And on defense, they get exotic. They're not great, but they give you enough funky looks that I think I just think that they're better at what they do. I'm not really sure – which Texans team is going to show up week to week, how healthy they are week to week, and they're on the road. So I'm going to take the home team to cover that. Yeah, I agree with you, Jake. I'm going to continue to run with this Titans winning streak. I think it goes to five. I think they win and cover in this game. Look, their offense right now is really something to watch. It's going to be an exciting game overall. For This might be the most exciting fantasy game of the entire week with because uh, Tennessee hasn't been quite as good on defense as they were last year. So I think there are plenty of opportunities for Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins to have those big games on their side. But Tennessee is so balanced on offense right now. Derrick Henry is running like the best running back in football in the last few weeks. Tannehill has opened up this offense, and, and it just it's it's so exciting to see. I think A.J. Brown has a big game here. Um, I think the Titans are going to keep rolling here. And, and look, they have a brutal stretch here to end the season, but – that's one of those teams where we know we talked about like Super Bowl long shots on our Wednesday show. I, you might want to start taking a look at them now because if they can get if they can run the table, which is going to be tough. I mean, they're going to have they have the Saints and the Texans again after this week. But if they run the table here and they walk in on a seven game winning streak, and all of a sudden they're playing a New England or a Kansas City or somebody like that, I, I you know what? I would not be surprised if this is the old hockey mentality of that team is the hottest team in the league rolling in. And then you don't want to play them. Manage. 
Absolutely. Not the way, not with as balanced as they've been. Uh, but again, I really love this game for fantasy purposes. I think, again, Henry's a star. Tannehill's a top five QB for me this week. I'm rolling with him. A.J. Brown's a wide receiver three. I think this is all uh, a really exciting matchup. This is the big fantasy matchup, I think. Yeah, this is a, it's been a lot of fun. And Tennessee's, like Jake said, like they should be getting a little bit more, not a little bit, a lot more credit than they're getting. It's just not a sexy NFL market. It's a smaller market, so they're not really getting talked about very much. But that's probably for the best because they can kind of fly under the radar and walk into the postseason. Like Jamie said, we know because we're both big hockey fans. You never want to play that team that gets on a hot streak. Uh, St. Louis, ask the St. Louis Blues about that. You know, one of the worst teams the first half come in, get really hot, and then win a cup. I mean, that happens all the time. You never want to play that team that's feeling themselves. And Tennessee should be feeling themselves because they've been playing really well, especially since Ryan Tannehill started as quarterback. Oh, well, right, also the reality me. is I, I keep forgetting that if they win out, they're going to win the division. So then all yeah. of a sudden that, yeah. that becomes a that becomes a really interesting matchup then because then they either maybe they it's possible they could even play the Texans a third time or the Steelers or I mean all of a sudden you're starting to look at a team that gets to be really interesting because if they get the sixth seed and then they have to go to New England, which I don't think any of us that's not as scary as it seemed before. All of a sudden, you know that's a team that could make some noise. I mean, I'll ask you guys right now. I mean, who do you think's the better football team, Houston or Tennessee? Because I think right now, I mean, I know we get to see them on Sunday, but Tennessee's been the better football team over the last few weeks. Much more consistent. Yes. I said they do what they do better and much more consistently than the other way around. Yes. I would say Tennessee. I I would say Tennessee. I I would say Tennessee would win a seven-game series in six games if we played like a baseball method here. They would win. I I would take Titans in six. I like that. I like that. I like that methodology. We'll revisit that on Monday when we uh, have a, a game to review between. When they lose by like seventeen for no explicable reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's the, the beauty of football. All right, the next game we're going to talk about the Seattle Seahawks going on the road to play the Carolina Panthers. Uh, coming off, obviously, we we talked about the Ron Rivera firing, and they did not rally after that after that firing as as was expected and as we predicted because Ron Rivera was so well liked. It, they are a seven-point underdog at home. Um, Seattle is a, is a touchdown favorite on the road, which is a pretty big favorite considering it's the West Coast team going east uh, for an earlier kickoff. Uh, Jamie, do you envision that the Seattle Seahawks, after a pretty poor for performance, can rally and, and go on the road and take care of business and cover the spread? I think they'll win, but I don't think they're going to cover. This, is, this, this game worries me a little bit for Seattle. Not that I expect them to lose, but that they're going to have to be – probably try a lot harder in this game than talent levels would normally indicate. Uh, I expect, as they've done on everybody, but the Panthers are going to be able to run the ball extremely effectively in this game. Uh, And I think they're going to be able to put up a little bit of points on Seattle. Like their secondary is really nothing special. I always get nervous with those teams going all the way across the country for these types of games uh, and being able – like usually prevents blowouts. It doesn't always mean that they're going to lose by any means, but it usually prevents these blowout games. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to rally a little bit here at home. Uh, and at least keep this one close late. You might need a garbage touchdown late to do it from McCaffrey, but I think they'll keep it close late. One guy that's really interesting, and you know, when we do the show, when you're a fantasy analyst, you kind of have to, you know, you have to kind of sacrifice some of your inside knowledge that you would normally use in your leagues or in your DFS lineups because you're trying to give out information. So, longtime listeners of this show might remember a guy named Chris Schubert as Hype Train. That was on the show, who I replaced <laughs> a, a little bit ago. Now, let's be realistic. It's a massive upgrade. The glow up from me to Chris was like was remarkable. <laughs> I be after midnight. Yeah, I mean, like it was really. I mean, it's truly staggering. And he's a listen. He listens to the show, 
And we play every week with a couple of our buddies in a DFS lineup. And he likes this guy like I do. So now I have to give him this information so he will also start him now. Uh, but I really like Ian Thomas in this matchup. Uh, I know the Arizona Cardinals get a lot of credit, deservedly so, for never being able to stop a tight end. But Seattle's the second worst team in that category. And they're only a couple points per game behind Arizona. They have really, really struggled uh, to cover tight ends. We saw Ian Thomas get double-digit targets or uh, in the last game from Kyle Allen. Greg Olson was ruled out just before we started recording this show. Uh, he is someone to me that's a top 10 tight end this week and someone that you need to kind of look might be somebody that you need to have in your lineup, whether in DFS plays for really cheap or even in your season-long lineups because I think he has a big game here. And then on Seattle side of things, I, I don't you're, – you're playing Wilson, but again, not if you have Ryan Tannehill or Jimmy Garoppolo or even maybe – you know. Mitt. I would, I would play Jameis Winston over him. I understand why you might be concerned about the hand injury. might not do that, but those are quarterbacks I would play over him. Chris Carson's going to have a monster game here because Carolina still hasn't stopped the run for fantasy purposes in, in a long time. And I have, you know, Tyler Lockett's always the big question mark for everybody right now. I have him as a low-end wide receiver too just because he has the upside to win you your league matchup. But I understand if you're a little bit concerned, but I can't imagine you're not going to start him in a three-wide receiver, uh, three receiver leagues. Yeah, I like all the analysis other than the one thing you're missing that I always point to is when good teams with historically good backgrounds and good franchises get embarrassed and get blown out like they did last week, they bounce back. And I think they're going to cover the seven. I got them 31-23. It wouldn't surprise me if if there's a late cover here, but something happened to this Carolina team that was really solid. And I think part of it might have been they overachieved from good coaching, that they were better than they – I think that might be the, the entire tenure of Ron Rivera. If you go back and think about this team, they were always better than they should have been. And I think they were really well coached. And they definitely didn't get a boost from firing him now. I, I think they're going to get a downgrade from not having him. And part I, All that tells me Seattle got embarrassed last week. They got beat up uh, by a hot Rams team. I'm going to take them to cover. Okay. I like it too. I'm I'm with you. When when good organizations get embarrassed, it's something we've talked about as a theme on the show for the last couple of years. That Jake and I, uh, when we did have hype train on the show and did not have the glow up of having Jamie on the show, as I need to just rub it in a little bit more for Chris Schubert, we talked about that that happens where teams get embarrassed, and and it rarely happens twice to a team that is as good and has been as good as long as Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have been together there in Seattle. So I envision they go and take care of business. And hey, Schubert, just got to g- give you a little love on the podcast. Uh, hype train. Hype train. Hype train is right. Uh, the Denver Broncos going on the road to play uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs, a home game, nine and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, I I got to say, I looked at this one and I went, Oh man, it's I, I don't know why I feel like it's a little high, but it's anytime it gets to to close to ten, I always get a little bit nervous. Jake, uh, do you have Kansas City covering the spread at home because this team has not been as good at home this season as they have in years past? I don't. I got twenty eight twenty one. I think the Chiefs win. The Broncos are playing better. They have a top five defense. Drew Locke looks like the answer to them for the future. Uh, Kansas City's defense has played better, but you're talking about a divisional rival. And historically, the Broncos always play good in Kansas City. That's the one team that will come in there and give them fits. I think Kansas City wins. I think they have enough. But I'm still a little curious to see how they're going to run it, what they're going to do with this passing game. Uh, I think the Broncos are playing solid enough, and they're feeling themselves a little bit, as they should for a really young offense. 
they're feeling their quarterback. I think this one could be fun to watch. I think the Chiefs win, but I don't think they cover that. That's a high spread. Yeah, this is this one I, I stared at for a long time, and, I, and one I would be completely avoiding. I'm going to lean to them covering because I think they're going to get Damian Williams back this week. And look, they're not going to run the ball very effectively, but they have they've been awful on the ground. So just being a little bit better than that, they clearly don't trust another running back that's not Damian Williams. I, I heard a stat that no other back on the roster, and again, keep in mind, Damian Williams has missed multiple games this year at different points. No running back on the roster has more than 14 touches except for Damian Williams in any game this year. So they clearly do not have the faith that LaShawn McCoy can hold up to a big touch load or Darwin Thompson or even Daryl Williams before he got hurt. I mean, Spencer Ware led the running backs in snaps last week. So, I mean, it, it's getting Damian Williams back, even in some capacity. I know he missed practice today, but it was for an illness. It wasn't for the ribs injury. So I, I don't imagine he's going to miss this game. Then being able to run the ball a little bit effectively will be nice. I'm not fully buying into Drew Locke yet. I want to. I don't see anything that concerns me per se. I just want to see him do it again. I want to see him have another performance like that on the road. Again, a KC defense that has been playing a little bit better lately. They're not good, but they are better than what they have been, at least lately. So I'm going to lean toward the Chiefs here to, co- to put up enough offense at home to cover this. But I, I, you know, I would, I would avoid betting in this game. I think this, is, this could be a really weird game. The Broncos are a much better team than the record indicates. The battle for higher draft position continues between the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants. Uh, As we've talked about tanking in the NFL, which we've obviously moved on from, but the battle for draft position matters, and the fans are paying close attention to this one because the Miami Dolphins are 3-10, the New York Giants are 2-11, and and if Miami goes into New York and loses this football game and they both end up with the 3-13 and record, Miami will be drafting one position ahead of this football team. So... New York Giants are a standard three-point favorite at home. Miami's obviously, we've talked about, played pretty good football, at least inspired football even in their losses. As of right now, and I'm looking on the score, Eli Manning listed as the starter. I assume that he will be starting in this football game. Yes, he was named starter. Yep. So we will see another Eli Manning opportunity. So that wasn't the last game we got to see him. So maybe he will... Get himself a victory at home. Jamie, the New Yorker, do you have Eli getting a victory at home in this one? Give me Dolphins plus three, and here's why. The Do- and, and Jake has made this point on the show so much in the last few weeks, and I think it's important. The Dolphins are not playing like they're playing to just play out the season. They are playing every single week with every single thing that they have. And it's not a lot of talent right now. And they're banged up. We still don't know if Devontae Parker is going to play in this game. I'd imagine he's not, but we'll see what happens there. But this team plays hard. And I think right now the Giants are in complete disarray. They just had to cut their number one corner because he – I don't even see what he ended up doing. But I know he had some interaction with – a negative interaction with a fan. and Twitter. Didn't own up to it or whatever. So Another George, guy cut from Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the Giants are in complete disarray right now. Uh, the Dolphins are playing hard. I think they're, you, you're able to throw on them. The Giants are the worst team in the NFL covering number one wide receivers. So I don't care if that number one is Isaiah Williams or Alan Hearns or if it ends up being Devontae Parker. I think that Brian Fitzpatrick and company are going to be able to move the ball through the air. They're going to be able to use Patrick Laird in, a, in the screen game as essentially their running game since they can't run the football at all right now. Uh, I think they have enough to keep this game close late. I have no idea who's going to win this football game, but I, I I don't think this is going to be more than a two- or three-point game at best because neither one of these teams, I think, is going to pull away. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, I, I got the Giants to win. I got 24-21, so I'm on it. If I have to lean one way or the other, I'll take the Finns to cover. 
it just makes too much sense that Eli Manning stays at 500 for his career. That, that's that's my awesome analysis for this game. <laughs> it just feels right that he finishes as a 500 quarterback. Uh, I'm going to take him at home. They, they got enough weapons. You know, the other thing I talk about a lot on the show is when you get a backup quarterback and you get one week, you usually get a boost. And you saw that from the Giants the other night. I don't know that you get that boost in week two. And I think the Dolphins, Jamie made a great point. The Dolphins are going to play harder than the Giants. I'm still going to take them to win, but if I got to lean one way or the other, I'll take the Finns to cover. Okay. You got the Finns covering, and uh, I can hear Kyle Krabs screaming all the way from his computer in Delaware. Uh, he will be very upset if that happens. But listen, uh, Miami's been playing really good football, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, go in there and get a victory. Look, the, all right, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before we get, before we get off the game page, sorry. Yeah. Like uh, th- this, this is the tough dynamic that I have when it comes to the Dolphins because I can understand why people who are fans of the Dolphins might be frustrated that. They could be picking four, five, six spots at worst, probably higher than what they were hoping for. And that could be the difference between getting your number one QB on your board and the number two QB on your board, or maybe even number three QB on your board, depending on how things shake out. Because we know the post, the pre-draft hype is coming, and somebody that we have not talked about inside the top five will be going in the top five in every mock draft in a few months. But I all, but you have to like the fact that long-term – and I talked about this in the show a while back. I hate when you establish a culture of losing as an organization. It is so difficult, even when you get good players. Hi, Cleveland. When you have a just a culture <laughs> of losing around your team and a lack of confidence in your coaching staff. And to me, I think – I understand that if you want the QB1, this is going to be a lot harder for you, whether it's trading up draft-wise – or a lot more white-knuckling on draft night waiting for somebody to drop to get the guy you want. But the culture they're building and the fact that they are playing hard for your coach, I think is just is a humongously valuable asset to this team going forward to turning it around. And I don't think that gets enough credit because it's always about how do you get the highest draft pick possible. Yeah, I'm going to take that and run with it for a second on a little bit of a tangent because I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to be hard-pressed to, to draft a rookie, including Joe Burrow, if they get him, that's going to play better than Ryan Fitzpatrick right now especially for the first eight weeks of next season. They're playing their asses off. And by the way, if you don't pick one, two, or three, this whole notion of the NBA, if you get a lottery pick or Major League Baseball for tanking, is absolute horseshit in the NFL. If you take the ninth or tenth pick compared to the second or third pick, you're still getting a starter. What you have to pay them salary cap-wise and a team like the Dolphins is significantly different. People keep forgetting that the salary cap matters. And yes, it's going up between 9 and $22 million. We don't know the exact number yet, but we know it's going up. There's a big difference there. But I agree with Jamie wholeheartedly. Turning a franchise around of how hard you play, when you start adding really good players into the mix, where they got to practice that hard against guys that played that hard the year before just to make the team or earn their starting position, regardless of where they're drafted, that stuff matters a hell of a lot more than two or three draft picks. So all these damn fans that the NFL is turning in NBA tank for a freaking draft pick sucks. I don't know when it started, but I can't remember it ever being like it is this year on how many teams it is. It's not the NBA. Drafting LeBron James does not win you a championship in the NFL. It doesn't happen. There's too many guys. It's too important. Win more games and lose a couple picks. It's not that big of a deal. Also, uh, can, can, Paige, can you tell me when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were, were drafted? 10 and 11. Go away, Jamie. Well, uh, I, 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 yes, I, I know that. I know that. That's a. Di- I. I did not mean that as a Trubisky dig this time. Uh, this, this, this time. time. This time. Uh, but like, Listen, yeah, ten and eleven. It's, 
Look at where where was Russell Wilson drafted? Where was Tom Brady drafted? Where, yeah, but those are those are the total outliers. I'm talking yeah. about there's five quarterbacks in this draft that are all going to go in the top twenty. Maybe one slips to the second round, and maybe two are drafts to the mid teens, and somebody gets a huge but, draft capital because you're not paying him nothing if he's getting him in the mid teens. But not comparing the styles, but doesn't this feel a little bit like that draft where you had there was. I know everything happened on draft night with like Trubisky getting traded up for, but like there wasn't a clear like, okay, this is the number one guy who is three steps ahead of anybody else. There was this kind of collective of three or four quarterbacks that were going to go somewhere in the first round that people thought highly of. And we're kind of dealing with that situation again. And who knows if the guy that you want is the number one quarterback on Miami's board. And it's going to be really interesting to see who that person is between now and then. I think Burrow is going to end up being the clear favorite, and I can't wait for this offseason on the Draft Network to talk about quarterbacks. But who two through five is, whew, it's going to be interesting. And then you're going to see them all together at the combine, and Jacob Eason's going to look like a god compared to a couple of these guys. And then you're going to watch the tape and go, yeah, but he misses some throws here and there. Where's he going to end up? There's five or six guys that are all first-round talents. Where they all end up, who knows? But somebody, just because you win two extra games, don't be pissed off about it as a fan. Winning in the NFL is hard. Celebrate yeah. every damn win you get as a fan, whether your team's 4-12 and 12 or you end up 6-10. and 10, Celebrate that. Stop with this draft crap because it's a, it's a crapshoot. It doesn't mean you're going to be great. No, there's no guarantees. It's a probability, as we've discussed. And I think my favorite part is that Kyle Krabs, who is a huge Miami Dolphins fan and obviously the lead analyst for the for the Draft Network and does a fabulous job at what he does. Uh, he, myself, and Joe Marino were at in Tuscaloosa for LSU-Alabama, and we all went out to watch football on Sunday. And the second that the clock started on the game, Kyle was all the way in for a victory because there's some level of competitiveness that if you've played sports, it doesn't matter if you logically understand that winning is bad for you. He still is all the way invested in a victory because if you compete at anything, you understand it's impossible to just turn that off. You cannot turn it off. And you sure as hell can't turn it off if you're a player that is getting paid to do that. I, I just, I, I, it makes me laugh because I saw literally Kyle was pushing the tank for Tua stuff at that time. And I mean the exact second that that game started, he was all the way in on the, on the team winning the game because that's how your brain works. You can't, you can't just all of a sudden decide like, I'm not going to root for my team. I want them to lose games. And if you can, I'd love to have a conversation with you because you like, I just don't get that. Right. You just like, logically, I understand. Yes. It's good for the team to have better draft position, but it's just not how sports works, especially not football. And Oh, by the way, as Jake brought up, ask Cleveland about the first 10 years with LeBron James. Cause it didn't guarantee them a championship anyways, either. By the way, they had to come around after he went to Miami, added more free agents, added their own free agents and drafted again to get a championship. So relax with all that shenanigans in the NBA too, because it doesn't guarantee anything. Right. And there's, it's easier in the NBA and it still didn't guarantee anything. So I, I think the, the tangent is we've gone off the rails and we'll get back on, but it's important because I think these, if Miami wins this football game, you're going to see a lot of that on social media and it'll be, I, I know that it's, it's hard to watch for me because it's not even my football team. And I'm just like, it's just backwards watching it happen all over social media. All right. The afternoon games, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars going on the road to play the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are a touchdown favorite at home. Jacksonville has been a tough team to watch 
Uh, listen, Jamie, the Raiders playing some of their last home games. Obviously, this is a home game. Uh, Jacksonville, not a really good football team. Do you have them covering a touchdown favorite at home? I've gone back and forth in this one because I don't – I mean, look, I know I read that stat on the show Wednesday or Monday, whatever it was. Like the Jaguars are the first team in, all, in forever to lose five straight games by like 17 points or more. Uh, the Raiders – do play better at home. Like I don't know if they're good enough to deserve to be talent-wise. Like talent to talent, they're not seven points better than Jacksonville. Uh, but even with DJ Chark ruled out, which just happened, so he will not play in this game. And I don't think he's going to play next week. He might not play the rest of the season. This is a multi-week injury that he suffered. Was in a walking boot on Monday. Uh, so get him out of your lineups if you were holding out hope. But the Raiders do play well at home. There's some extra motivation, especially as this year draws to an end, to play well at home. It looks like Josh Jacobs is going to be back, although I don't expect him to play a full complement of snaps if he does because he shouldn't. This is your bell cow. This is a big piece of that Khalil Mack trade that's back for you. You're not going to the playoffs this year. Uh, don't, don't do anything stupid. Don't give him 20 touches in this game, but maybe if he's feeling good enough for 10 – uh, and you take the chance there that you don't leave him out, you know, because you don't want to necessarily go into the offseason with him not playing for a while if you don't have to. I'm a big proponent of that if you can get into a game that it matters. But uh, I'm going to take the Raiders to cover here, but I don't feel great about it. They don't deserve to be this big of favorites. Uh, but if Jacobs plays, you're going to have to play him. I think DeAndre Washington is a sneaky play in a really deep league, even if Jacobs is active, because I do think he's going to get some work and he's outsnapped Jalen Richard each of the last two weeks. So he'll have some sort of role for them in this game, especially when they limit Jacobs at some point. Uh, you're starting Darren Waller, and that's it on the Raiders' side. And for Jacksonville, Fournette should have a pretty big game. You're going to start him with confidence, as you already would. Uh, I don't like Minshew. If he had Shark, I would have said maybe this is a matchup you can attack uh, if you're really desperate at quarterback, but I would not do that here. Uh, as far as the Jags' receivers go, it, it's these are they're all long shots. I mean, Chris Conley – he had a bad game last week, but the last three games under Minshew before that was getting seven targets in each of those games. Uh, they've looked to use Keelan Cole as a deep threat. Uh, you know, Dee Westbrook is somebody that should get a ton of targets, but they're all risky plays. Like, I'm not sure unless you're in a deep league, you're going to even want any of those guys. So if you want to take a lottery ticket, if you're a big underdog in your matchup and you need someone, maybe a Chris Conley or Keelan Cole, but I think there's a better chance those guys give you three points than they give you 20. Yeah, I agree with all that. Uh, I got Washington. I picked him up. I mean, my, one of my questions to you is Golden Tate with Eli, who didn't look like they had any chemistry at all, or Washington, and that was before Jacobs was going to play. So that one's – I'm tossing that one around in our TDN league, trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do in that second flex. Uh, the rest of this, I'm going to take the Raiders home, but both of these teams have been dusted. The Jacksonville Jaguars have been beat at a historic level. Jamie just said five weeks in a row by 17 or more. The Raiders have been blown out three weeks in a row, even though they played good for the first half last week. Tennessee ends up beating 42-21 at home in Oakland. Uh, I'm still going to take them. I, I picked it exactly that that score, 24-17. So if I got to lean one way, I'll take them to cover. Um, but as Jamie said, talent, talent to talent, I'm, I'm not real sure. I think the Raiders' young guys are playing harder than Jacksonville. And I think that, I think that matters this time of year. For sure. These two teams are have both been pretty bad over the last couple of weeks, but Oakland had a more consistent time of watching this team be pretty good. Um, and they are at home, and Jacksonville's just been like that. They've just been, been getting beat terribly. I, I will say this as well. John Gruden ain't going nowhere. Neither's Mayock. They've done a hell of a job, and Gruden's going to freaking be in there 500 hours this week grinding the tape. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville's convinced their head coach is gone. They're probably convinced that Coughlin might not be the VP of football or whatever he is, tech, like total wise. I think that matters too. 
I think the, and Jacksonville's young guys aren't getting coached the same way. They're not playing the same way. The Raiders' young guys are playing hard. I think that matters. I, I think that's where that seven-point difference is going to come from. Yeah, I can see that being uh, being the and case. And leadership from a franchise quarterback. I mean, Minshew sure. gives them excitement and all that stuff, but I can see that also growing a little old with some of those guys and some of the craziness because uh, it leads to turnovers. Um, yeah. It's as fun as it is, as much as I love the stash, <laughs> it's not the same leadership they're getting from Derek Carr. So I think, I think sure. there, there's the seven points. Yeah, and Minshew mania and the mustache mania, all that stuff, I'm sure that sat well with, you know, some people and not so well with others, and especially since it hasn't been consistent over the last few weeks. So Cleveland Browns going on the road to play the Arizona Cardinals coming to the Valley. Uh, the Cardinals uh, have had a couple of bad losses at home since they came off that bye. Cleveland is a three-point favorite on the road. I will envision that Last week was a ton of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. This week won't be as bad, but there will be quite a few Cleveland Browns fans in the, in the house for this one against the Arizona Cardinals on the road. Jake, I'll let you handle this one first. Do you think Baker Mayfield comes in and covers that spread on the road? I think Baker Mayfield comes in and lights them on fire. I'm taking the Browns 30-20, to 20 and I'm by the time we're done talking about this, it might be a lock of the week. Njoku <laughs> uh, coming back is huge for them. They'd love to get all their playmakers involved and have them having fun, and you can throw it as much on this Cardinals defense as anybody in the league. They're giving up 300-plus yards a week, and we're talking about week 15 now. So this is not a small sample size. I think Chubb has a solid day. You can run it. The, the Cardinals stop the run okay, and they give up a ton in the pass. But the Browns, if they stick with the run a little bit, I think they're going to hit a bunch of big plays. That Browns defense should be plenty good enough to shut down this Cardinals offense, which is regressing over the last seven or eight weeks. Uh, so I got them 30 to 20. I think they cover that. I think that line is way too low. I agree. That's my third lock of the week and third and final lock. Yeah, of the I'm week. throwing it in there too. Yeah. yeah but I should have had the balls to do it before I let you talk. I, I can't, I can't see. I just, I just can't see how this game is this close. Look, Kyler Murray is, has been regressing hard the last few weeks. We talked about that a lot on Monday's show. They are, the Cardinals have absolutely no run game whatsoever and their defense is bad and they quite frankly don't give a damn most of the time. Cleveland's got a, they have just so many weapons now with Njoku coming back, which I think he's going to, he's a top 10 tight end for me this week as well. I was glad just that he got on the field last week and got some of the, got back, got a little bit of a feel for everything again. This is the game they're going to unleash him. Jarvis Landry should have a big game, although Beckham should have a good game. Uh, I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt should have good games. There's so many weapons they have on offense and they have two really strong corners. They completely shut you down on the outside. Uh, I just don't see how Arizona keeps up here. I just don't like the direction that they're trending. Uh, I, I'm with you, Jake. I think this is a double-digit point game at the, in, in the end here. Uh, I wouldn't feel confident starting any Cardinal in this matchup. Maybe Christian Kirk is a wide receiver three. And I think Chubb is a must-play. Kareem Hunt's a must-play. And Joku's a top-10 tight end. Landry's a top-10 wide receiver. Beckham's a wide receiver too. Like, I think all these are really interesting plays. Like, I just think the Rams just blow their doors off in this game. Yeah, it'll be it will be it will be a fun one to watch. I think I think we're gonna see a lot from from Baker and company. All right, the next game we're gonna talk about here is the Atlanta Falcons going on the road to play the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are an eleven point favorite at home against the Falcons. Listen, uh, it's a pr- pretty big spread for this team, but they obviously are coming off in a very impressive victory and they're back home. They've really, really looked good at home and they've really taken care of 
what we envisioned were good football teams at home. When Carolina went there, they got destroyed. When Green Bay went there, they got destroyed. So I'm not surprised to see the spread be at 11, even though um, that is a big spread in the NFL. Jake, do you see Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers covering that 11 points? I have him winning. I do not have him covering 11. Uh, I picked it 23-17. That's probably low. It's probably more like 27 17. I don't, I don't have them covering 11, though. They're banging. The injuries are the reason why. They're starting centers out for the year. Richard Sherman's out for three or four weeks. D, D Ford's out for three or four weeks, two or three weeks, whatever it ends up being. They've, last, they, they've missed some time. It's just they're going to go with Mostard. He's, they say he's earned the, the lead role, which I love because I picked him up in both leagues. I think he has a solid day. Calvin Ridley being missed is going to be huge for the Falcons to be missed. I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't. I, nothing tells me with that many injuries they should win by 11. That's a huge number. And the Falcons are so up and down that you have no idea which Falcons team you're getting, and their defense sucks. I still don't think they cover 11, though. I just that's a lot of injuries. I think San Francisco is going to try to run it a lot, uh, which should slow the game down a little bit and try to keep it in hand. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Niners win, don't cover. Uh, them being without Richard Sherman's a bigger deal, especially in this game, than I think they might expect. My, Ryan's going to throw it all over the field. He's had a he's had a really strong season. I know the Falcons haven't done anything, so nobody's been paying attention. But Matt Ryan's had a really strong season. They're going to miss Calvin Ridley, but I do actually expect a good game from Julio Jones here, who should play. Because those targets have to go somewhere. They're not going to Christian Blake and Justin Hardy and Olamade, Zakuis, or whatever the guy that caught the 97-year target. Like those are not, that's not where the targets are going. They're going to go to Julio Jones, Austin Hooper, and then some to Russell Gage, who will continue to have that same role in the slot that he's had since the Mohamed Sanu trade. So I do think there's some points to be had there. Uh, and, and, well, oh, and on the, the Niners' side of things, Mostert's going to be the starter. But again, it, they're still – I like them. You're probably starting them this week in a flex spot, but – it's still a 49ers running back situation. They still have a lot of guys there. Matt Breed is going to get his touches. Maybe Tevin Coleman will be back in the league by, by the time that this game starts, and he'll have a role again at some point. Like I just, there's just a lot of concerns I'd have from the San Francisco side of things from a fantasy perspective. Uh, it's good, a good problem to have in real life, but for fantasy, you're kind of trying to, with your season on the line, figure out which of these guys you can trust. What about Debo Samuel? I got to play him. Yeah, I'd play him. I think he's. Would he's you a, play him over AJ Brown? Ooh, that's close. Um, that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm, play, I'm tossing that one up in the air. That's, that's close. I would play Brown, but I think they're both wide receiver threes. Like, they're both top 35 wide receivers to me this week. So it's a good problem to have. But I would take Brown. I like his matchup. Just to, They both have great matchups, but I, I he's a number one guy for Tannehill versus a piece in the equation for Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, who, by yeah. the way, I have as a top five QB this week. I think he's going to have a good matchup. He, he's going to he's a good matchup. Sanders is playing better. Samuel's playing well. Kittle's all world. Uh, he's, so there's actually a lot of fantasy value in this Kyle Shanahan revenge game, uh, but I, I think this is going to be. I, I just I just can't see them. I, I should say I can't see the Niners blowing them out. I just think it's unlikely. I don't think they have enough pieces on the defensive side of the ball right now to keep this game from uh, to keep this game within 11 points. Like I, I think the Falcons can get just enough to keep this job done, but they ain't winning this game. I love the I love the manufactured revenge games. We that's a that's a consistent thing on this podcast. Uh, the next thing, the next game we're going to get into the LA Rams are going on the road to play the Dallas Cowboys. The Rams are the two point favorite on the road. Dallas, obviously, we've talked about at length. Tough this division, the NFC East. Doesn't deserve to have a playoff spot, but one of these teams will. And I don't know if I think it's going to be Dallas or Philadelphia, but I do think that Dallas is 
the better football team. They're more complete, but they haven't looked like it over the last couple of weeks, guys. Um, are the LA Rams are hot. They've, they're feeling themselves. They got a big victory against the Seahawks. They know they got to keep winning to get into the postseason or even have an opportunity. Is this a game that you could see LA going into Dallas and, and giving them that loss and really, Man, I, I can't imagine what the conversation will be like for Jerry Jones and and Jason Garrett after this one if they take another loss. Uh, Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Cowboys or Rams in this one? I lean to the Cowboys plus two here. My concern is that Jared Goff has been a completely different quarterback when he goes up against above average defenses. And the Cowboys aren't a great defense. We've talked about all year about how they still don't play up to their talent level. And part of it's because they don't make any splash plays on that defense. But they are an above average defense. And there's been a, and I went over on the show for fantasy purposes, uh, last week when I said I kind of like Jared Goff as a play, but it, it's, it holds true in real life as well. For teams that are ranked in the top 13, or excuse me, teams that are ranked out in the top 15 in the NFL for passing defense, he's been appreciably worse uh, in those games and against the bottom 13 teams, which is where he's really had all his success this year is against bottom 13 pass defenses. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about them going into this game. Uh, they have look, they have enough weapons, but I, it's been weird the way they've been using some of these guys. Like Cooper Cup played a strangely low amount of snaps last week. Brandon Cooks, I haven't seen this precipitous of a drop from somebody that's been a legitimately good NFL player and fantasy player for several years in a row now, and is just completely irrelevant in this offense since coming back from injury. Uh, I, I still have some concerns. Again, I thought Todd Gurley looked good in that game, but as I talked to you about. Uh, afterwards, I thought people made way too big of a deal about Todd Gurley. That was not the best game of the season for Todd Gurley. He's been fine, and that's what he'll continue to be fine. I think Dallas has enough to kind of frustrate Jared Goff a bit. And I, I know we haven't seen it in a couple of weeks, but this Dallas offense at times has been really, really good. It's been better at times than even what the Rams have been able to do. They've been putting up a ton of yards. I think the Cowboys can have enough to get this job done. Both te- This is an exciting game because both teams are equally motivated. Both teams are, are on the fringe of missing the playoffs despite what they're doing and despite how much money they've been spending. Uh, but I think the, I'm going to lean toward the Cowboys here a little bit at home. I just I think this is a little bit of an overreaction uh, to the Rams looking really good the last couple of weeks. I couldn't disagree more. I'm going to take the overreaction. I got the Rams 31-23. I think they cover it easily. Woo. Dallas's defense couldn't be more overrated. And while you're saying – I agree with what you're saying with Jared Goff. Nobody is more vanilla on what they do pre-snap than Dallas and what they show post-snap. What they show you pre-snap is exactly what they do post-snap 90% of the time. And how you get Jared Goff is you you confuse him pre-snap, post-snap, and you get pressure in his face. Now, while they can do that a little bit, they're not rushing the passer anywhere near what they're capable and what they did last year. This Rams defense has been completely different since the Jalen Ramsey trade. It was phenomenal. They're going back to playing man. Aaron Donald has been hot. They're stopping the run. I think Jalen Ramsey takes away Amari Cooper completely. I don't think Zeke has a big game. I think they go in there and dust them. The Rams, I'm also going to go towards who's trending hot and who's trending cold. The Cowboys are sputtering at best with a freaking starter cap or whatever's in an engine that doesn't want to freaking work to get them going, and the Rams are running like a damn Ferrari. So I, I'm going to take the overreaction of them being the favorites, and I think they go in there and win it easily. The Rams are running like a Ferrari. I like it. I like to see. Listen, I hope that both Philadelphia and Dallas lose this game. I hope that Philadelphia loses. I know it's unrealistic, but I, I just I'm rooting against the NFC East uh, in hopes that they just continue to lose and 
the last game ends in a tie and that we all have to just realize that maybe we should restructure the playoffs uh, so that way we can get the best. They, ju- they just have shown me nothing. I've watched them close yeah. for like three or four they're weeks. There's been not a good team. nothing. No, not a good and yeah, team. they put up a bunch of freaking yards, but it, it doesn't matter. They're not winning games. Garbage time stuff happening too. Like like when Troy Aikman was just annihilating, annihilating on that Thursday night football game against the Bears, where he's going, yeah, you're gonna look at this, and if you box score scout this, you're gonna go, oh yeah, Dak had 300 yards, but like 150 of them came in garbage time when the Bears were up two touchdowns. Like it's, it's I mean, the Bills are solid. Hit them in the mouth and beat them easily at home on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, yep. then the the Bears beat the crap out of them at home a week later and just dusted them. And they were hurt. Roquan Smith went down early in the game. So the same analysis for this week, they were down all those same guys. And the Bears' defense dominated them. The Rams are playing better than both of those teams. Yeah. And Dallas hadn't done anything to show me that that's not going to be the case, even though they're at home. That means nothing to me. That's completely fair. I mean, it's – look, I've – Kind of still waiting for somebody, waiting for them to do something to look like the team they did. Not, not just the team they did. They're capable, right? We talk about it every week. Like this is the most underachieving good roster yeah. I've seen in a long time. But it makes no sense. But eventually, you go. They're just not that good. Yeah, they're running out of time. Like I mean, the season's about to end. Like it's. Right, and by the way, like I said it the other day, and it's a long shot. But there's a chance San Francisco doesn't make the win that, or doesn't make the playoffs, and the Rams do. Oh yeah. And the Rams could also get in with the the Vikings go in the tank. They're hot, and I, that's another team like Tennessee that if they figure it out and they roll in off six wins and get in, so that's not what I want to play. There's a lot of fun variables that can happen that we will revisit on, on Monday's show, right? Because we'll have a clearer picture after this week depending on what happens with some of these on-the-cusp playoff teams. Um, specifically, like, it gets it gets really – the NFC, the middle of the NFC gets really interesting depending on what happens these next couple of weeks. So, specifically right after this week. So, we'll revisit all those fun playoff scenarios on Monday. We got two more games to get into. The Minnesota Vikings going on the road to play the L.A. Chargers. We've seen one team from that division go on the road and look terrible in Green Bay. Will Minnesota follow in their footsteps or will they go to L.A. as a two-point favorite and take care of business? Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Is Minnesota going to cover two points on the road? I think they do. Uh, I think they're a significantly better team than the Chargers. I, I think this is a – I'm going to use the overreaction word again. The Chargers, as Jake and I both then Jake really nailed it home last week, were supposed to go into Jacksonville and completely destroy every aspect of that team, and they did, and they did a damn good job doing it. But I still don't feel like they're anything more than about an average team. And uh, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to spend the entire offseason – yelling that their point differential doesn't matter because I feel like people are going to continue to use their point differential to pretend that they are good and not understand that they continue to underachieve with the talent that they have, which is their issue. Which you want? Do you want to blame that on coaching? Do you want to blame that on Phillip Rivers? Wherever you want to blame that. The issue is not that they have bad luck. The issue is, is that they don't beat teams when they should. And when they should beat teams, they beat them. And when they do beat teams that they should, they do it by 30. Like It doesn't make you a better football team, in my opinion. At least the way that I've watched a lot of Chargers games this year. And they're more disappointing than unlucky, which is weird how that narrative is changing. I just think Minnesota's too good right now. They're going to get – looks like they're going to get Adam Thielen back. So the full complement of weapons for Kirk Cousins. Dalvin Cook looks healthy. Alexander Madison's running at full speed. Uh, They have both tight ends going. I mean, they look like they're really starting to become a little bit more well-oiled machine on offense. Their defense is still playing really well. They're not playing as well as they did a couple years ago where they were a truly – dominant defense because they had some injuries and guys banged up but they're still a much better defense overall I know you'd be concerned about 
you know, Bosa and Ingram getting to, to Kirk Cousins as you should. But I just think the Vikings are too powerful on both sides of the ball right now to lose this game. I couldn't agree more. I got the Vikings 28-23. I think they cover that. Getting Thielen back is huge. Uh, Alexander Madison was actually ruled out, Jamie, of this one, which makes all of us Dalvin Cook owners go, whoo-hoo, yeah, don't be taking those 12 to 15 touches away from my boy. He's going to need them to win, and we all need them to win. Uh, I think he has a big day. Uh, Ingram and Bosa are great coming off the edge, but how you beat them is running a draw off the inside of that when they come a little too wide or hit them with a screen pass right over the top of that. Nobody's better than that than the Vikings. Thielen coming back is great. Irv Smith Jr. has been really good. Rudolph's been really good. Diggs has been great with Thielen's absence. So I, from a fantasy point of view, that goes back to, oh, who do you play? But it makes that team running on all full cylinders. That defense has been really, really solid. Uh, I, I would, it would scare me uh, from a Keenan, Keenan Allen you know, perspective. He, he'll still get some. He always does. But I just think this Vikings team is another one. I still say they win the division. And if they get healthy, 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 I mean, they're getting there. But if they get healthy and get hot going in, it's another one I would not want to play when you get in the playoffs. For sure. They're going to be scoreboard watching because if Chicago can go into Green Bay and, and, and win that football game, Minnesota all of a sudden, like I said, the NFC, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting things that can happen uh, between the middle and, and even the divisional top, uh, top teams. And oh, yeah, they play the Packers next week, right? Yep, they play yeah. the Packers next week, and then and then the Bears have the Vikings at the end of the season. So there's a lot that can get really interesting between that division and, and the NFC West. Uh, a lot of teams in that mix, so it, it's a, a lot of fun different playoff scenarios that we're going to get, and uh, they should all uh, much better than the AFC, which we're watching a, a couple of teams that will just end up backing their way in on that side. All right, the Sunday night football matchup is the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are a one-point favorite at home. Um, listen, this I'm sneakily excited for this game. Um, I, I love yeah. how you use my word. I don't know when sneakily became a thing, but I started using it maybe last year, and now it's like a part of the show. Sneakily. It's a thing. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a thing. sneakily, right? Yes. It's, it's just like a Urban thing Dictionary, sneakily. Yeah, sneakily uh, credited Although, a little to word. Maybe Jake. don't look up sneakily in the Urban Dictionary. That might be something. Yeah, yeah, know. probably don't. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> no, that's not how we mean it either way. <laughs> no, no, that's not how we mean it. We're attributing it that one to Jake Arians. And the fact that this game, if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago if I was excited about this game, I would have said absolutely not. Pittsburgh has just been playing so hard for Mike Tomlin. I have been pushing the Tomlin deserves coach of the year votes because of all the injuries they've sustained and the fact that they're in a playoff position. Um, this one, there's playoff implications here as well, and and this is going to be a fun one to watch. Jamie, Josh Allen had a tough matchup last week and did not play well for the first week of the fantasy playoffs. He's been a guy that people have, have really counted on consistently throughout this year. This is another tough matchup for him how do you feel about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and and specifically from a fantasy perspective seeing as it's week two of the postseason well from fantasy I said the schedule makers just did did the Bills uh and Bills fantasy owners dirty with the way they're ending this year uh I don't think Josh Allen I don't think I like John Brown I don't think either one of them in normal leagues I mean if you're a two QB league you're playing Josh Allen but in normal single quarterback leagues uh you're not playing Allen or John Brown the rest of the year uh, the fantasy wise because after this they go to New England uh, so those are just not matchups that you want to have with your season on the line. Uh, this game is – I'm with you. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense is must-see TV too, uh, the way they've been playing I since agree. they've got Nick and Fitzpatrick. I think they're really exciting to watch. Uh, I, this game, I, it's not going to be aesthetically pleasing, but it's going to be an awesome football game. But 
I'm leaning here toward uh, – oh, before I get to my pick, I do think Cole Beasley is actually a sneaky play. Uh, if you're in a deep league, it's like a high sneakily. Sneakily sneakily. good play. Uh, <laughs> actually, I did look it up. But it is an Urban Dictionary, and it's just the way we're using it. So there's no – there's you're nothing welcome. Uh, you're welcome. It's PG-friendly uh, for everybody. But uh, I think Cole Beasley is a sneakily a good play uh, in this matchup because he continues to be the most reliable option for Josh Allen, and he's had a lot of tough matchups lately. And he's been perfectly fine. And the Steelers are better against outside wide receivers anyway. So I think he's the only bill that you want to start from a pass-catching standpoint. Um, Devin Singletary is probably a high-end flex play. They're going to give him volume, uh, but I don't expect a huge game from him. Looks like James Conner is going to be back for the Steelers. We're going to see how he is used in this game. Uh, Juju re-aggravated his injury, so he's not going to play. And his season might actually be over, but he's not going to play uh, in this matchup. So we'll, I, I don't really feel comfortable starting even after his big game, Deontay Johnson uh, or James Washington. So there's not going to be a lot of fantasy uh, in this matchup. From a real-life football perspective, I don't feel great about it. I'm going to take the Bills to win. I think what's a one point, so Bills plus one. I'm yep. going to take the Bills to win because I still at some point – wondering can the Steelers put up enough offense like their defense is going to be good but if their defense doesn't score in this game will they score enough on offense to even get to like the upper 20s uh in this matchup that that's my concern here I'm going to take the Bills plus one but I don't feel great about it they don't get to the upper 20s but I got the Steelers at home 20 to 17 the Steelers do not lose at home in prime time period they and that doesn't matter you can go back as far as you want on that one Mike Tomlin's done a hell of a job hell of a job but Randy Fickner, the offensive coordinator, I don't know how is not being talked about more when you put an entire offseason in for Ben Roethlisberger, who you've been with. Randy was a quarterback coach there for a long time before he became the coordinator. And then he gets hurt, and you build this dink and dunk thing for Mason Rudolph. And then you bench him, and you build an entire offense without James Conner and Juju for Duck freaking Hodges. And you're still 8-5. and five. You started 1-4, and four, and you're 8-5 and five in a playoff position. Like, can my boy get some love? And the Steelers fans are probably like, get a fullback and all the same crap my dad heard. Dude, Randy Fickner is the reason you still had a chance to do anything. And by the way, Keith Butler, the defense coordinator, has done an unbelievable job. Three amazing trades that I love this year with the NFL getting close to the trade deadline. Mika Fitzpatrick, Jalen Ramsey, and Marcus Peters were phenomenal trades for those teams. Now, the Rams are up against it because they got to pay Jalen Ramsey. But, man, like those three things have been huge for those teams, and those teams are all in contention. I love seeing that. But the Steelers don't lose in prime time. None of it makes any sense other than I'm just, they just don't lose in prime time, so I'm going to go with them to cover the one. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you A lot you of fun. Them. I think this game's going to be fun. It's like I, cold I weather, November, night game on painted dirt, which is all Pittsburgh is at this time of year. It's not even grass. Like it's, it should be dirty uniforms. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's smash mouth football. It's the AFC North, even though you've got a team from outside the division. That's how Buffalo plays too. I mean, they're used to playing in the cold and those, and that's why I'm excited for, for this football game. I do want to throw out there too, Pace, sorry to cut you off is I don't think from a fantasy point of view, but I think Josh Allen's legs could be the difference in this game. Steelers are going to, they're going to play a lot of man and blitz. That means there's going to be linebackers turning and running with tight ends and not watching the quarterback. And unless they have somebody, they have somebody spying him. They played Lamar Jackson, and I know it's completely different, but this dude is phenomenal at running the football. Like I think his legs could be the difference alone, not from a fantasy point of view, from a football point of view, to actually win this game. That's that's the one thing of picking the Steelers here that really scares me. I think Josh can make enough plays with his legs to win this. Yeah, sneakily again, sneakily, sneakily. athletic. Sneakily uh, Josh athletic. Allen. No, he's sneakily athletic. He's just damn freaking athletic. 
He's a, Stop he's with a the sneakly shit. That's, we only say that because he's white. He's Cam <laughs> freaking Newton. He's the exact same thing. He's Andrew Luck, who never got the credit for the athleticism he had. Josh Allen's not sneakily anything. He's damn athletic. Yeah, he's he's a freak of nature. He's really athletic. He's big. He's strong. He's physical. He runs hard. Um, and he's he's really uh, I, I, a joy to watch this year. Josh Allen's been a joy to watch this year. I've really enjoyed watching Josh. Watching Allen. him on Thanksgiving as Cowboys was a ton. That dude was awesome. He put that team yeah. on his back and just Lamar Jackson esque ran around all over the place making plays. It was awesome. It's been awesome to watch him and, and, and that football team, and I'm excited for this one. I know it, it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be all the stuff that I love about December football is going to be featured on Sunday night football between these two teams and between these two organizations. So it should be it should be a really, really good one, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So, guys, we've reached the end of the podcast, so I'm going to let you guys each – End the end the podcast and end the weekend or start the weekend with some parting thoughts. So, Jake, I'll let you go first. Any parting thoughts on today's podcast? I'm going to steal Jamie's thunder from the last like five shows. Watch the freaking waiver wire and these injuries and get creative. I, I told the story about losing to Doctor Roto last year in the finals in our scout fantasy uh, league, and was I was on his show yesterday. And before I went on, we were talking about it. And I was like, dude, I watched you pick up guys that made no sense for like four for like three or four weeks, and then you played them all. And then he gave me a piece of advice of that's how you win championships. So I've tried to do that myself the last couple weeks of picking up most starts and starting them over James Conner, who you played all week if he was healthy. But you got to look at the matchups and who you're going to play. Don't go off the name. Go off of what makes the most sense. And, and and listen, that's a, it's a good recipe for victory. And Dr. Roto's a great guy who, who who wins a lot of fantasy championships. And the waiver wire, I said it to these guys before, the waiver wire is where you win championships. It's not in the draft because a lot of times everybody misses on the draft. The fantasy draft is just like the regular draft where you draft guys and there's guys that get overdrafted or underdrafted every single year. And there's always injuries and you have to be able to make moves. Jamie, your opportunity for parting thoughts. What are your parting thoughts since uh, Jake stole your thunder already? Uh, I have two. Uh, first is going to be not for fantasy purposes, just a, a note that just came down that the Cardinals have released Ter- uh, Terrell Suggs. Uh, he's not eligible to play this weekend, but will be on waivers, will be claimed by somebody uh, on Monday. So something wow, kind of with two games out. left? Yeah. So uh, that's game, what, that's Wow, okay. So he'll, he'll be out there for some team. We'll find out on Monday uh, what team he'll be on. And, and my second point is, is a little bit playing off of what Jake said. I want to name a few guys that I have in my top 36 on both wide receiver and running back this week of names you would not normally expect. Guy, and we've already talked about Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. But on the receivers, guys like Zach Pascal in a, in a pretty decent matchup. Cole Beasley I talked about. Uh, Brashad Perriman uh, that we've talked about on the show a few different times because of uh, the injuries that are going on in Tampa Bay. And on the running back side of things – the Patrick Laird, who I think can help you win a matchup this week in any sort of PPR format. Uh, Chris Thompson, same deal. I mean, these are guys that you would normally wouldn't feel great. And if I told you back in week one that you'd be needed to start these guys uh, in week 15, you'd be like, wow, things really went wrong for me. But the reality is these guys can help you win now. And you're not trying to play for a whole season. You're not projecting weeks down the road. You're playing a one-week season. All right? and you got to think about this like you're playing DFS at this point. You got to put the best guys out there, not the biggest names. Yeah, kind of to that point was if Devontae Parker doesn't get hurt last week, as hot as he's been, and Richard Sherman's not hurting San Francisco, Julio going up in there as, as much as San Francisco hasn't given up the pass. This, the, my perfect example is Devontae Parker would have played over Julio Jones and should. 
Yeah. Like it's, that's, and that doesn't sound like it makes any sense for people that don't pay that much attention. You're, you're just plopping Julio in thinking you're going to get the same production. You're not, you might this week because that situation that I just said is not exactly how it is, but that's the exact example that Jamie and I are talking about. Like, look at, that's a perfect example too, Jamie. I love that. Do it as a DFS. You got one week to win a game. Pick up as much points as you can of guys that are guaranteed to get a point here or there, and that's what's going to come down to. By yeah, the way, Julio's, you Julio's his name, a good example. Oh, go ahead, Jim. Sorry, no, because you mentioned his name. By the way, Devontae Parker got in a full practice today. Uh, so somebody kind of keep an eye on that. Ooh, I like hearing that. So he got a full <laughs> – I don't know what that noise was from Jake, but he's happy. <laughs> that was me not having to pick between Debo Samuel and A.J. Brown. Devontae yeah, so Parker's going to play. Yeah, so he's listed as questionable, but uh, I'd imagine him practicing in full means he's going to get cleared from protocol here pretty soon. So keep an eye on that uh, if you've been waiting all week. I don't know how I could possibly follow up that woo that you just heard from Jake. That's what that is, babe. I'm going to do it again. Come on, <laughs> so then. I don't have any parting thoughts on today's podcast other than these guys telling you how they can follow or how you can follow them on social media. So Jake, how can everybody follow you? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Or you Jamie? can just follow the sound of his voice. That's been, they can be heard from miles away. <laughs> um, uh, you can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Uh, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN fantasy on Instagram. And be sure to check out our rankings on the draft Have a nice weekend. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. 